We have a calling to disciple the next generation, regardless of any barriers. Today on the Nobleman Podcast, our guest is Dr. Clarence Schuler. We're going to be talking about cross-cultural mentoring relationships and the life change they bring. Well, folks, welcome to the Noble Man Podcast. I am super excited. We're continuing our conversation about mentoring, and I've got a, a friend of mine that I've known in ministry for a few years now. Uh, Brother Clarence Schuler has spoken at several of our conferences. Uh, I get to see him at the Fatherhood Commission and occasionally at other events, but he has just been a blessing to me. I'm so excited to have Dr. Clarence Schuler with us to talk about a book that he's just recently written with Gary Chapman called Life-Changing Cross-Cultural Friendships. Clarence, welcome to the Nobleman Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Well, Mike, thanks for having me. You know, I love hanging out with you, so I'm glad to be able to do this with you. Thank you. It's awesome. Now, uh, just for context, tell our folks where you are right now geographically and, and what's going on in your life. I know you said you're pretty busy with a lot of things going on, so give us a taste of that just, just briefly. Well, I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We're at 6,000 feet. And what's really good about that, there's very little humidity, so it's great. Uh, played an hour and a half of tennis this morning, which is cool. And then uh, my daughter, my administrative assistant, put me to work. So I've been hustling. I uh, just <laughs> turned in an article for Newsweek uh, for Juneteenth that they're going to uh, air, uh, publish this weekend, print this weekend. So just really been real busy. Uh, marketing the book. We've been really excited about the success of the book. And uh, and then also, I think, you know, I told you I'm working on a book on depression, trying to, it'll come out yeah. later this year. So just really busy writing, doing some counseling for pro athletes, uh, premarital stuff, helping with some marriage crisis stuff, and just trying to figure out what God wants us to, you know, stuff he wants us to do. So I'm, I'm enjoying life, but I'm, I'm really busy right now for, you know, for, for an old man. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I was, I was thinking about this earlier and I was, as I was processing through the, the ministry experiences that I know that you have had and mm -hmm. have talked about and have shared with so many folks, I said, my goodness, Clarence is like a Swiss army knife of ministry because man, you've got a book here in, in front of me about singleness, single and free to be me. Mm -hmm. You've got a book about marriage. You've dealt with that. You've dealt with purity issues You've got, um, this is uh, your second book, actually, that we'll be talking about today, but you did a, a book for young men with Gary mm. Chapman. So you're just, man, you've been all over the place in the ministry space because God has taken you through so much. And then you've been gracious to give yourself back to him in obedience, mm. to let him use mm. those stories and experiences for his glory and to benefit others. So it's just wonderful. Well, you know, you've been a real inspiration because we didn't get the book to you soon enough, but you didn't really need it. But, you know, that book for young men, you know, Choose Greatness, uh, you were one of the guys I was really trying to push, Gary and I trying to get it done so quick. But you you did a great job in fathering, so you didn't need it. But uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> so, yeah, we've been well, busy, but, but it's a good that. time. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, listen, let's. So we're going to talk about mentoring in this book. You grew up in Winston-Salem and tell about, you know, Gary Chapman, for those of you who some of you will recognize that name, but you may not remember why, but he's the guy who wrote the five love languages books, but he made some investments in your life as a young man. Tell us about how you met Gary and, and that whole relationship and how that, that really pointed you to Christ. I mean, he, he introduced you to Jesus, right? Well, he did. He did. I, uh, I met Gary in 1968 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. 
about 50-50 population, and we're struggling, even though segregation had been legally outlawed in 1964, it was still being practiced. And so right. we crossed the railroad tracks, you know, you went from one community to another. But one of my best friends, my best friend at the time was uh, some, that girls thought he was cute, but he was going to an integrated school. I didn't think he was all that cute. But anyway, they invited him <laughs> to this church gym. And in North Carolina, you have basketball, tobacco, and Baptist, pretty much in that order. And so, <laughs> but there was an unwritten rule that, you know, if you're black, you don't go to a white event by yourself. So my friend right. invited me to go. Well, when I asked my parents, could I go? We had a town hall meeting to discuss if I could go to a white church because my dad wow. had seen stuff. My parents had seen stuff. So it was, that was a real concern. But anyway, I was not a believer at the time, but we were losing the battle. So I finally blurted out, hey, Jesus will be with us. And so uh, and that turned the tide. So my parents let us go. We crossed the railroad tracks and people started throwing bottles at us, calling us all kind of names. And it, it was pretty amazing. We get to this church and there are about a um, hundred white kids and just the two of us. And so as we walked wow. in, everybody turned, you know, and then like some of the adults, I could see this kind of look of fear. But then uh, uh, Russell went to talk to the girls that he knew. And I went to play basketball because basketball was my God before I became a Christian, became a Christian. Well, this skinny white guy with glasses comes over and introduces himself and says, hey, I'm Gary Chapman. I'm the youth pastor here. So glad you're here. And so we played basketball and that's how we met. And even with his spirit, with his attitude of respect and treat me as an equal, that was really pretty profound for me as a 14 year old. And so we played ball. They talked about Jesus. We stopped and talked about Jesus in context of different stuff. You play some more, whatever you want to do. And then they share the gospel and feed you. And I'd never thought about Jesus in a personal relationship. I mean, I was in church. Uh, I went to all black church, went to all black school, uh, which is really great for us academically in a lot of different ways. But I never thought about Jesus in a personal way. I sang in a youth choir. I've been baptized, but I didn't know Jesus. So that's, that's really how we met and got started. Wow. And, and so that continued. I mean, you guys continued to keep up with each other and encourage each other and um, spend time together as you were coming up and as he was growing on in ministry. And so this is a relationship that started with you having the courage to go into an unusual place, a, a, a place that was not where you weren't terribly welcome, but you were welcomed by Gary. Well, that was life. When you're a person of color, particularly African-American yeah. in America, pretty much everywhere you go, you're not welcome. So that's that wasn't new to me. Right. So Gary said he thought I was brave and took the first step, but that was just life. But what happened was, Mike, he introduced me to Christ when I was 16. And when I accepted Christ, then I think when I was 17, he started discipling me. And that's when we really began to bond. And I was scheduled to go to Wake Forest to play basketball, but that, that fell through. So I ended up going to Moody Bible Institute because where he went. And I thought if I can be half the right. man of God he is, that's what I want. And I started preaching when I was 17. So he has always had a profound impact you know, on me. But that's that's how our relationship went. And now it's, yeah. we're, in our, we're in our 54th year. Yeah, you know what? You mentioned 1968. I'm just going to tell you that that's the year I was born. So... <laughs> Um, <laughs> you make me really feel old now. <laughs> no, I love it. I am so, man, if I'm pressing hard like you are, 
I'm, I'm just going to keep on going. I love it. Well, oh, listen, man. so th- let's talk about mentoring because mm. Gary was very intentional in this yeah. relationship, but there have been some other men who've been very intentional in your life that you mentioned in this section of your book on cross-cultural mentoring that um, helped you along the way. So tell me about some other relationships. Well, um, I got to play basketball overseas with a thing called Sports Ambassadors. And there was a young man I was really impressed with. His name was Robin Cook. And he basically the head of Sports Ambassadors for uh, a mission, uh, which is one challenge now, international. Well, his dad, Bob Cook, and I became friends. I, I was helping a, them start an FCA chapter, again, the only African-American. And I was moved by the way Bob prayed. And I was just saying, man, I need to spend time with this dude. So I took him to lunch and I said, hey, will you mentor me? And he said, yeah. And he, and he said, everything I have is yours. Well, at the time, I didn't know he was a risk taker. He was the president of the realtors for the state of Illinois. He introduced the first African-American uh, lobbyist. Uh, he also was the one sponsored the first female lobbyist. So he, this guy, I mean, he's an amazing guy. And I know. And so he, so for 23 years, I sat at his feet. And he knew guys like Chuck wow. Colson, Bob Smith, these businessmen, ministry people. And he said, the reason we're doing this, so you will invest in other people. And one of the other people in the book is uh, Gordon Louts, who was uh, Chuck Colson's right-hand man. So Gordon began to mentor me and teach me stuff and how to put our ministry together and stuff like that. And then the African-American Bill Pinnell, who wrote this book, classic book that you, that you need to read, it's called The Coming Race Wars. Like in 1992, he predicted everything that's happening today. And it just re-released the book, you know, years later, uh, last summer. And Jamar Tisby wrote the foreword to it, the introduction to it. But he's really brilliant. And so I have these older men that speak into my life and hold me accountable. And they challenge me to be a good husband, walk for Christ, be a good dad. I mean, they taught me things that because my dad, I got to lead to Christ when I was 18. But uh, he died when I was when I was 20. And so Gary really became my dad for all practical purposes. And he's a, he's a grandfather to my kids when he's when he's here uh, and they're here, they call him granddad or he'll hit the house and, hey, say granddad's here, you know. And so and then his kids are like my younger brother and sister. Wow. And then their kids like my, you know, nieces and nephews. So we, you know, so we just kind of have a relationship that is uh, goes beyond the two of us. Right. And it's kingdom because you see beyond all of the things that culture would say are barriers. Now, one of the guys you mentioned said, I'm investing in you because I want you to invest in others. And so how has that played out in your life as you've poured what you've been giving into the lives of other people? You're you're seeing generations of mentoring take place here. Well, you know, I yeah. And so discipleship, which a lot of people call mentoring, um, they're young guys who who kind of reach out to me, and they're right. they're different cultures. Uh, one of one of my one guy said, you know, I love my dad, but he's not a believer. He said, "We be my spiritual dad." Right. Well, this guy looks just like you, but he's six feet four inches tall. Used to be a former offensive lineman, and so we have this relationship. In fact, he I mentioned him in the book as he builds a cross cultural friendship himself in the book. And so it's it's you give to people and you love people. And you become available to them. And then God sort of sets the agenda. And so when young people say they want to meet with me, we just start doing that. Uh, one time, Brenda said, so what are you doing? I said, well, we're just talking. She says, why don't you do something constructive? <laughs> <And> so, uh, <laughs> so what happened was uh, 
this young guy and I, we started memorizing scripture together. So we memorized yeah. the book of Colossians. And he just took off, started memorizing all his other books in the New Testament. Well, now that young man is the state, uh, the state head for FCA in Colorado. Wow. And uh, and so, but whenever he needs me, he calls me. So I, I don't sure. press. I, I you know. So then I have other guys, a young guy, social media guy, same thing. Say, I love my dad, but I never have a spiritual guy. Well, he's about forty, and so I spend time with him. And every Tuesday morning, we talk and pray together, and we talk about everything. And initially, I was quote mentoring him, but I think lately he's been mentoring me. So it's just. Uh, and one thing Gary taught me is that when we invest in other people. It's a lifelong commitment. And and but if but if I'm invested in you and we have this discipleship relationship, you have to give me spiritual grandbabies. You know, if you're not if, <laughs> That's if, right. you, if you're not gonna take what I'm giving you and invest in somebody else so they can invest in somebody else, I will love you, I will spend some time with you, but I can't be totally committed to you. Well, it gets back to the second Timothy two two principle of of investing in faithful men. I mean, you can you can invest in all kinds of people, but you're going to pour more time, more energy, more intentionality into the faithful men who are going to go reproduce, right? Right, right. Well, you got to maximize your time. You, you've got to look at it. We got to be stewards of our time because we don't know how long we're going to be here. You know, Gary's 84. You know, I'm 68. And he said, you know, you'll be busy between 60 and 70 and you've been the rest of your life, which is, which is true. It's been a really unbelievable. Well, and God's given you all this experience, all of this wisdom, and all of these connections, and now you have this incredible deposit that you have to multiply for the kingdom. You've got to put it back in. So a couple of questions come to mind. Let me ask you the first one. You mentioned discipleship and mentoring, and this is one that we talk about frequently. In your perspective, what is the difference between mentoring and discipleship, or is there a difference? How would you speak to that? Well, I'm old school, and I think discipleship is what the Bible calls us to do. It's to invest in somebody else, whatever we know, if we know a little more than them. And it's and it's not just information. It's also a lifestyle. But in discipleship, they're supposed to give you, if you're really doing discipleship, you haven't made a disciple until your disciples made a disciple. Mentoring, you don't have to reproduce. Mentoring is more of a secular term that the churches embrace, which the church tends to do. And I'm not against that, but sometimes I think people get confused about the spiritual reproduction. And so uh, and so I, that's, I'm just a stickler on that. And so that's what I learned from Gary. He said, you know, we're really into discipleship. And, and I think that's the difference. You can have reproduction with mentoring, but it's not always required with mentoring. Mentoring right. is an older and younger person and you're teaching them stuff and they may take it and do it. They may share. But biblical discipleship, reproduction is not optional. If you understand right. the scriptures, it's not optional. Absolutely. I love that. Let me ask you this. We talked a little bit as we were bantering before we started the recording about this concept of worth, because I, I was telling you, I had a I had a conversation earlier this week. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, meeting with a friend of mine by the name of Gary Freeman, who is an African-American guy. And we were we were just kicking around this whole thing. And he said, you know, Mike, I keep resting on this idea of worth. And, and if we're coming to the table together, we have to have a sense of our worth and what we bring and the worth of the individual that we're investing in, but they also have to see their worth as well. And so you, you've got some perspective on that that can uh, give us some more light on that, I think. Well, I talk a lot about this in my singles book, uh, Single Free Be Me. And, and, and here's the thing, we need to have, we need to understand self-worth versus self-worship. 
Now, in, in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, um, it talks about God talking to the Trinity, saying we need to make some humans. And they probably had this conversation and the Holy Spirit probably tells Jesus, if you do this, you're going to have to go to earth, put them on these bodies, let them kill you. And I got raised from the dead, all this stuff like that. But here's the deal. Knowing we're going to mess up, God still created us. But the first thing, when we think about worth, God wanted us, which is really important. Whether you're a Christian or not, God wanted you. Then God created us. Okay, then it talks about in his image. Well, a better, I would say a better word, a word we may relate to better than image is DNA. So because God gives us his DNA, we have value, we have purpose, and we have a godly destiny. If I look at people, if I look at myself and say I have value because God sees value in me. Oh, also in verse 28 in Genesis 1:21, he says he blessed them. Well, some people say the Hebrew says, wow. So that means every time Mike, he looks at you and me, he goes, wow. You know, your grandfather, is that correct? Yes, sir. So when you look at your grandbaby, their, their grandbaby's beautiful, right? That's and right. And part of it's that grandbaby's beautiful because you see some of your DNA in it. When mm. God looks at you and me, he sees himself in us. And so, so I think we really need to understand self-worth versus self-worship. And so everyone has that. But a lot of times, even Christians, we tend to have an incorrect view of our value and worth. So, so I think that's really important. Yeah, because that can our culture is pressing on us to distort that and value ourselves. And, and the self then becomes the penultimate. It's our, our self and who we are and what we think and our ideas and our reality becomes our God. We, we become our own gods. And we push the true God out of the equation because we're we're idolizing ourselves and seeking to satisfy ourselves. Right. And, and here's the deal, Mike, with that. If we don't understand what we bring value to the table, that we have value, we have self-worth, that impacts us as good men to be boyfriends, be good boyfriends, or to be good husbands, or to be good fathers. And so yeah. that impacts everything. And then, and then if we don't have a good value of who we are, we tend to put our spouse on a performance track. So if she doesn't please us or he doesn't please us, then we sort of selfishly get rid of them and say, well, they're not making me happy. As opposed to really understanding to have a great relationship is really about serving, not getting. Yeah. Well, and so when we bring that back to the, the relationship between a mentor and a mentee or a discipler and a disciplee, you know, it's, it's even spelled out here in the book that the seasoned person is what I normally call the mentor. If, if we're talking about something that's intergenerational, they see value in the person that they're investing in. It, because like in the case where this guy told you, I'm investing in you so that you go invest in someone else. It's not, it, it's not, I'm having a pity party on this guy. It's, I see potential in you that I want to flourish. And, and, and so that's part of what we have to do, I think, is keep our eyes open for the guy's that are not fully formed so that God can use us to be part of their, sometimes it's their vocational formation. Sometimes it's their marital formation. Sometimes it's their fathering formation, but the core of this is their spiritual formation. Well, I agree with that. You know, once Gary's in my kitchen here and I asked him once, I said, why did you as a white guy spend time with me when it's very risky for you to do so? And he said, Clarence, I didn't just see you for who you were. I saw you for who you could be. And, and I really felt that's what God was calling me to do. So I, I, I 
he and I both would agree with what you just said. Folks, thanks for joining us on the Nobleman Podcast. If this conversation has been impactful for you, don't forget to share it with someone who would benefit from it as well. We will be back next week with Dr. Clarence Schuler to finish our conversation on mentoring and cross-cultural friendships. Until then, God bless you.